Are you looking for ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative? Gretchen Rubin is the number one bestselling author of The Happiness Project, and every week she shares insights and practical solutions in the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Gretchen's co-host and happiness guinea pig is her sister Elizabeth Kraft, a Hollywood showrunner. Join Gretchen and Elizabeth as they reveal fresh insights from cutting-edge science, ancient wisdom, pop culture, and their own experiences about cultivating happiness and good habits. Every week, they offer a manageable try-this-at-home tip you can use to boost your happiness without spending a lot of time, energy, or money. Suggestions such as follow the one-minute rule, choose a one-word theme for the year, or design your summer. They also feature segments like Know Yourself Better, where they discuss questions like Are you an overbuyer or underbuyer? A morning person or night person? Abundance lover or simplicity lover. And every episode includes a happiness hack, a quick, easy shortcut to more happiness. Listen and follow Happier with Gretchen Rubin, an Odyssey podcast. Available now, free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, I have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a snippet from Queen Icon legend Adele's new song. It's called Easy On Me. She adds a bunch of extra syllables to that word easy, stretches it out to the max. It reminded me of Dorit on The Real House of Beverly Hills. Sometimes she'll say PK and she just adds, it's like PKA. Or when Garcelle, sometimes Garcelle's got a hundred syllables in it when she says the word Garcelle, the name. Uh, I love that song, but I got to tell you a quick story. We're going to get into Salt Lake City. We're going to get into Potomac. We also have Meredith Marks from The Real House of Salt Lake City on Everything Iconic today. But before we get into any of that, I got to tell you, I'm falling apart here. I uh, hesitate to even tell you about this because sometimes when you talk about your medical issues on a podcast, then people diagnose you in the DMs. You know, last year I was going through some stomach issues and I would get an, uh, a DM from a stranger saying, hey, I'm an Uber driver and I just want to let you know it sounds like your stomach's exploding. Better talk to your doctor about it. You know, people will diagnose you in the DMs, and then it's like, what am I supposed to do with that? Go to my gastroenterologist and say, hey, an Uber driver on Instagram DM said that my stomach was exploding? No, you can't do that. Uh, so I hesitate to even mention this on the show, but I, I thought I have to tell you, and it relates to pop culture in a lot of ways, because 
this past Thursday, that new Adele song came out. And I was so excited. The music video premiered at, I think it was like three o'clock. So excited. I normally go on a midday walk. I try to get out in the neighborhood and just have uh, some time with the fresh air and walk around the neighborhood, listen to some music or podcasts or whatever. So I planned on watching the music video and then getting out of the house in the neighborhood and walking and listening to it on repeat because that's what I like to do. As a gay man, I need to memorize that song immediately. So the music video premieres and I think, okay, I'm going to dramatically put it on uh, repeat on Spotify as I walk. So I go out there and I walk and I'm having a real dramatic moment. That song, it's so intense. It's about how she left this man she was with. She had a baby with them and then she left him and she says, go easy on me. It's so dramatic. And I'm having a moment outside with one with the nature and I'm looking up to the high heavens and I'm just staring at the sky and I have my phone in my hands. I was taking like a video of the sky and I have a dramatic Instagram post about, you know, this beautiful Adele song. And as it's happening, I'm walking and I start to stumble. And I don't know about you guys, but when I start to stumble, I tried to save myself. I tried to make it so that I didn't fall on the ground, even though gravity was good at saying, you know what, Danny, you're falling. I was trying to fight the gravity, much like Sandra Bullock did in the movie Gravity. And as I was trying to fight it, I gained speed. So now at this point, I'm basically like sprinting across the concrete here in LA, which none of the sidewalks here are paved. I mean, it is just like a, a fucking roller coaster as you're walking on the sidewalks here in LA. And I live on a busy street, so people are all, all out walking their dogs and everything. So I'm essentially like sprinting midday, completely sober, and I start to fall, and I I essentially like slide across the concrete like it's a fucking slip and slide. Only at the end of the slip and slide, where there's normally a pool, uh, in this case there was a concrete ditch. So I slide across uh, the concrete, completely scraping myself up like into a little mini ditch in the sidewalk. As Adele's playing, and then the headphones fly out the ear, so then my phone is playing easy on me. So as I'm sliding across, people just hear this. So go <laughs> Spoiler alert, they, Adele did not go easy on me. I slid right across, I chased the pavements, and I uh, slid right into the stitch. And I was so embarrassed, you know, that Adele's playing. And I I wanted to take a moment to just cry, right? I was already emotional because Adele's fucking singing in my ear about being a divorcee. It was a real emotional moment she's having. And I'm having an emotional moment. And then I'm hurt and injured and on the concrete. So I, a tear came to my eye, but I was like, I got to get up. I got to hop back on up and get home because people are around me looking at me. You know, somebody's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. You know, when you get embarrassed like that, like I, it all happened so fast. And I'm like, just get home. And then as I'm walking home, I wasn't too far. But as I was walking there, I was like, don't limp. Just try to look normal. Meanwhile, I'm like, this is gross, but I was like dripping blood, you know, because my hands were bloody, my elbow completely scraped up. Uh, and I felt something in my shoulder, like snap or something. And, uh, it turns out then I get home, my, I can't even lift my arm certain ways. I can't, though, my left arm, it's like there's certain ways it just not, isn't going. So then I gotta go to the doctor. The doctor orders an MRI, thinks it might be a tear in the rotator cuff. I'm still waiting on the results. You know, I got the MRI like the last thing on Friday. And then, of course, they all shut down for the weekend. So now I, this Monday, I'm gonna have to wait. I don't know what's gonna happen, but my arm doesn't go certain ways. Some ways it goes. In some ways, it's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, Danny, not going that way. And it's all from the fall. Uh, and so now, as if that song is emotional enough, now every time I hear this... So go easy. I'm gonna think, <laughs> that 
that note, you guys. I love that song, but that note, it's like, just imagine Adele in the studio, just, they're like, make it longer. And she's like, (laughs) I'm sorry to just make that sound into your ears. I know I can't sing for shit. I definitely do not sound like Adele. I saw someone online post that it sounds like a mosquito in your room, though. And it does. I mean, that note just goes on forever. And I love it. It could go out uh, 10 minutes longer, even, by the way. That song's not even a long song. Nowadays, these songs, they're three minutes long, under three minutes. And I look at the time sometimes, I'm like, can't we get a five minute? You know, back in my day, when I was growing up, uh, Jennifer Lopez released a 12 minute version of Waiting for Tonight, and it still wasn't long enough. And now these are pop girls, they're releasing songs that are two minutes and 20 seconds or something, uh, just to play it on radio. Otherwise, they don't play it on radio if it's too long, so I get it. But also, I'm like, can we get something longer? But I just imagine her her in the studio, and they're like, stretch it out more. But I'm so glad she's back. But uh I really got to worry, you know, that song, if you listen to Adele too much, you get in your head and you get emotional and everything. And I always, I always do. I can't, when she comes out with the album, I know I'm going to listen to it on repeat. And Kelly Clarkson too, you know, I love my Kelly Clarkson. She came out with a new holiday album. There's this beautiful Christmas song on it. Uh, not, it's not the single. I hope it becomes a single, but there's a ballad on it. It's called um, Merry Christmas to the One I Used to Know or something like that. I might be getting the title wrong. Uh, but it's so beautiful, and it's kind of reminds me of the Carpenters song, Merry Christmas, Darling. I think that's the name of the Carpenters one. Or Mariah's Miss You Most at Christmas Time. Anyway, that's really emotional. So I'm going to be crying throughout the rest of the wintertime. I mean, we're going to have to be careful. You guys keep an eye on me. Although I'm not asking you to diagnose me in the DMs. I got enough doctors for that. Uh, but I had to tell you that story because, you know, I'm a mess today. And so we're going to fly through these recaps because I could barely even lift this microphone in my hands because the arm's not going certain ways. You might have a torn rotator cuff. Got to hold my notes. Got to press our soundboard. I have the no. chill. No. So I, I need both hands. I can't do this. I can't do this intense job without both of my hands at full capacity. So we're praying the rotator cuff's fine. Maybe just have some physical therapy or something like that. I don't know. But I can't even sleep too because the other side is all scraped. So one side of my arm is all scraped up. I'm talking like real, I'm going to definitely have a mark there forever on the right side. And then the left side, I can't even lift it over my head. I can't even get shampoo on my head with the left arm. I mean, I am a mess. So we're going to, you know, pray for D. Hashtag pray for D. Uh, What should we talk about first? Salt Lake City? Should we get into that first? And then we'll do Potomac. And then we got an interview with Margaret, or Margaret, Meredith Marks from the Real Houses of Salt Lake City. Okay, so on the Real Houses of Salt Lake City, you guys, the first thing we got to talk about is this new Whitney-Lisa relationship, which I'm obsessed with the fact that they're trying to make it work, despite the fact that they very clearly hate each other with every ounce of their beings. I don't think for a second, it's much like Rinna and Garcelle over on Beverly Hills. They're not fooling anybody. These two hate each other. Deep down, they both despise the other one, and they want the other one off the show. But they're trying to do some silk lessons. And the instructor, by the way, is not who I was expecting the instructor to be. Again, I'm not sure who I was expecting, but I did not expect that man who was doing the silk lessons. Just, I mean, God bless. God bless. Um, somebody told me, by the way, that I say God bless on this show a lot, which I don't, I'm not even very religious, you know, I'm not religious here, but I say God bless a lot, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me why I say it, but I think it just became a force of habit as I'm doing these recaps. So God bless. Uh, anyway, uh, the instructor, not who I expected, but God bless. And uh, this duo, they decide to think of stripper names. So Whitney's going to be Randy Starr which reminded me of Ryan Starr, 
who those of you who are American Idol junkies like myself might remember that star, uh, pun intended, from season one of American Idol. She was like on the first season in the top 10. She always wore the sock on her arm. Remember when the girlies would do that? The pop girls would wear the, the sock on their arm. I mean, who among us wasn't at home in the mirror putting a sock on their arm? I mean, you. I remember asking for a birthday or Christmas or something for the knee-high socks, you know, the knee-high athletic socks, just so I could cut a hole and put it on my arm, <laughs> like Ryan Starr. <laughs> I think Avril Lavigne did that, too. They were all doing it. It was a cool thing to do. It was like, let's cut some holes in our socks and put them on our arms, ladies. Not sure why we were doing it, but we were doing it. Much like the skinny scarves in the early 2000s, we were just making some questionable fashion choices. You know, the skinnier the scarf, the better. There's one thing I learned from the Jennifer Love Hewitt bare naked video. It's that you get a scarf and you get it skinny, then you put it around your neck. It's not going to warm your neck even the slightest bit, but it'll look cute. It'll look cute. Uh, so look, the Whitney was being Randy star, and then Lisa just said she's Jasmine, like on the, the carpet. And the thing that really stuck up to me about this scene was that they touched toes for a moment. It was like their big toes touched. And you guys know how I feel about feet. I'm not a big foot person, but. The idea of touching toes with someone instead of like high-fiving them just really is not for me. It's just not for me. And maybe it's for you guys. But to me, when I saw that, I thought, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that, you guys. Unless we not forget, these two do not care for each other. So they're essentially co-workers touching toes. Imagine you're at work on your Monday through Friday and you touch your cubicle mate's toes. It's a disgusting thing that you wouldn't do, but here on the outside, it's something that happens. Two co-workers touching big toes. Not okay with me, and it's not something we would do in our normal work days. I'm sorry to harp on it. Uh, but it was strange to me. Then we have this scene with Mary and Robert Sr., you guys, and he called her baby girl, which I think a lot, I use the word baby girl, uh, my best friend, we, I call her baby girl, she calls me baby boy. Just something about it didn't sit right with me. Maybe it's the fact that he's her grandfather and husband. Maybe that was it. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it made me feel a little uneasy. And he was making dinner, and Mary came and said, like, what are you making? And he said, whatever comes to the brain, which I thought, like, what does that mean? You know, like, what do you mean, whatever comes to the brain? Like, he was improvising the dinner. But you also have to plan with the food, so I didn't understand what he was making. Then Mary talks about her confessional, how he got stuck in Florida, and he, she loved it. She said it was the best time of my whole life. He got stuck there at the beginning of the pandemic, just sat in Florida, and I do believe that it's good for couples to have some time apart. You know, I'm a big proponent of that. Take your time, have your own friends, have your own activities that you do. Even at home, I think it's good to have your separate rooms at night time, not all night. I think it's good to have separate rooms. So, you know, sometimes seven o'clock at night, I'll sit down to watch one show. Matt will be in the other room watching another show. And then we come together at eight o'clock at night to watch something. I think it's good to have separate shows even within the house. So that you have your time apart, and then when you come together, it's exciting, it's fun, it's a little like a date time. Uh, so I'm a proponent of that, but I'm not necessarily a proponent of like sending your significant other to Florida and having them quarantine away from you for two years. You know, to me, that's like a little bit of a red flag, maybe. You know, what do I know about relationships? But I will say that's a red flag, ladies. If you're out there and you're excited that your husband got stuck in Florida for two years, that's a red flag. Maybe something to think about with your therapist or your couples counselor, whoever you're seeing, your pastor, God bless, whoever you're seeing to talk about your relationships. Maybe just bring that up. 
Sister Mary, it would you know it would be nice if she brought that up to because I want Mary to I want the best for her and I believe she's setting us up for him leaving because this couple doesn't make any sense. She's mad he's making the short grain rice and she wants the long grain rice. You know she she's not happy. She's not happy in this relationship. And she even says later when she's playing tennis because when she didn't know how to play tennis that was cracking me up. But they were talking her and Meredith about long distance in relationships. And that's when she revealed they don't sleep in the same room. And she said in the confessional, this was real smoking gun. Because she said, I would change Robert Sr., just the whole person, to what I want. I have the no. chill. She did it. She said she would change him completely what she wants. And so obviously she hates this man. And it seemed like this, a lot of this relationship we were dealing with the husbands. Because we also got the Jenny... Jenny and the Dewey stuff, which, oh my God, we'll get to you guys. We'll get to. But a lot of relationship drama in this episode. And I need the group scenes to start coming fast and furious because I'm tired of these separate scenes. I'm sorry, Bravo. I'm loving Salt Lake City, okay? I'm loving it. My one complaint, though, or my one critique is that we need more group scenes because as it stands, we're just getting like two of the women playing tennis and then we're getting uh, Heather with the daughters and then we're getting Mary with the husband improvising a dinner not making her long grain rice. Like I need them all to be in the same room together because that's when the sparks really fly. And I'm not sure why they've been so apart this season. We had the casino night, but other than that, have we really gotten the entire cast together? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Okay. So then we got to talk about this Jenny stuff. You guys, I'm so mad at this Dewey. I'm so upset with him. I am so fucking angry at this man. For, I was already angry at this man because last week on the show, she talked about how she didn't want to have another kid and he wants another kid. She revealed all the stuff about how she had 10 miscarriages, really intense stuff. And at the begin, early in this episode, we saw her sit down with Meredith and Lisa and she's talking about how this really horrible story about how she was sedated for the delivery and she lost her daughter. And it was really, really intense. You guys, I mean, I'm at home and I'm like welled up. I mean, I had sort of like the ugly snot cry where it was like my eyes suddenly turned black and blue and just water coming out of every crevice, like my ears were flooding. And I'm like so intense. And she's telling Elisa and Meredith the story and they're just staring off into space. Did anyone catch this Lisa and Meredith? They weren't even paying it. There were no hugs. They didn't offer a hug. Lisa at one point, you okay? Like that's what she said to Jenny. Like <laughs> It's like, no, she's obviously not okay. Lisa, you need to give her a hug. You need to give her a hug because uh, she was, Lisa was a little emotional in her confessional. I will give her that. In the confessional, Lisa like started to well up and uh, she started to feel bad for Jenny. But in the scene, as Jenny was saying it, the only thing Lisa said was like, Are you okay? And obviously not. No shit, she's not okay. She's no shit. No shit. She's right there sobbing in your face about this horrific loss that she suffered as a mom in the hospital as she was sedated. And you're just like, are you okay? And then Meredith, meanwhile, Meredith did have her hand, but it was like not even a full, I don't think it was like a full handhold. I think it was like a couple fingers. Meredith's like, I'll give you a couple fingers. And I didn't see much emotion in either Meredith or Lisa. And I was like, ladies, we need to step it up, get the emotion. And maybe they did show it and they edited it around it or something. But did anyone else feel like they were being so cold to Jenny? Because Jenny was like, there were a lot of, the waterworks were coming with Jenny, understandably so. And I just felt like they weren't even, and then later in the episode, we see the husband, they're out in the snow, and he still wants more kids. It's so insane. And I really thought, last week, they showed this little clip of the coming attraction, and Dewey said, well, maybe we should get a sister wife. And I swear, you guys, I thought that was Bravo misleading us. 
I thought it was going to be like a joke or played it, played for laughs or something. And then here comes Dewey actually being dead serious suggesting this. Dead serious. And apparently his grandpa had four wives, but Jenny didn't want no four wives. She, Jenny didn't want that. And here he is. And then she's got to storm out. And you can't even storm out. It was so fucking snowy. Jenny trying to go through that two feet of snow to storm out of the scene. She was moving at a snail's pace because uh, those boots were getting caught in the feet of snow. So she couldn't even storm out properly. But yeah, he wanted that. He suggests a surrogate. And she's like, no, I don't want that. And then he's just not getting it. And he suggests a, sur- a sister wife. And you guys, it wasn't a joke. How was it not a joke? I was shocked. I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. Uh, what else happened? Jen and Stu Chains, they went to the jeweler. Uh, Jen uh, greeted the jeweler and said, Sugar Daddy, hey, Sugar Daddy. Uh, that she's going to be giving the, all the girls some jewels. She's trying to figure it out. Do I give them snake jewels? What you know? What kind of jewels do I give them? And I don't know. I'm just watching these Jen scenes, and I'm on the edge of my seat. But I'm ready for it to happen. You know, I interviewed Meredith, and I asked her. I said, "Oh, we're." I said something like, "Oh, we're at the mid season point." And she's like, "No, we're not at the mid season yet." And I feel like I'm ready to. I think I'm just so anxious to get to mid season. Then I'm like, "Well, can we be at mid season? Like, I want to see the Jen Shaw drama unfold. Like, let's get to it." Let's get to it. Because uh, I'm excited. I think I'm just too excited about the Jen Shaw stuff, that all this other stuff is playing real boring to me in a way. Although I love it. I'm not, I hate to say that because I don't want to talk badly because I'm really enjoying watching these episodes. I am. I'm ba-da-ba-ba-ba loving it. But I do need to get to the Jen Shaw drama. I need to get there quickly because I'm just too excited. So then uh, the only other thing that we got to talk about this episode is Whitney and Lisa at the restaurant. Lisa says it's like CSI, Salt Lake City, because Whitney, she loses it. So these owners of the restaurant come over and they start talking about that catering drama. And Whitney thinks it's some big setup. She's like, this is a setup. You try to set me up. This is a setup. Why are you setting me up? Lisa's setting me up. This is a setup. This is a fucking setup. And I was like so confused. I'm like, what was the setup, you guys? Like, I <laughs> I was like, what is she? Like, it was, we were acting like it was some murder setup or something. Or like someone tipped off the feds over at Beauty Lab and Laser to have them rest one of the cast members. That's what I felt like Whitney was acting like this was. She's like, this is a full setup. Full-blown attack setup. This is a set. I was like, Whit, you're being paranoid. I love you. And I love my Whit. I love my Whitney Wild Rose. I do love Whitney. I mean, look, God bless. Love her. But I do feel like she was making a little bit of a mountain out of molehill, right? She said, this is a setup. This is a setup. I have the Because this is a big-ass setup. They're setting me up. And she looked right in the camera and said, this is a setup. You see this setup? It's a setup. She's trying to set me up. Set me up. She's just looking. And they couldn't even cut around it. The producers just had to leave it in. So she's just staring directly into the lens. She's setting me up right now. I'm at the restaurant and I'm getting set up. She, can you guys see this? She set me up. And Lisa's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and the husbands are sitting there just trying to eat their meal. I mean, those poor men just want to have a, a nice snack at this restaurant. And Whitney's just shut. Set up. Set, this is a setup. She's setting me up. I can't believe I came here. I'm getting set up. I thought you were my friend, but you're set. We did the silk classes, but you're setting me up. Getting set up. Can you believe I'm setting up? I'm setting up. Getting set up like a table and chairs. I'm getting set up. Lisa's setting me up. She's setting me up. <laughs> I didn't think she was getting set up, but she thought she was getting set up. 
Anyway, you guys, that's the episode of The Real House of Salt Lake City. Now, stay tuned. I'm going to break all this season down with Meredith Marks. She's engaging with me. This is her second time on Everything Iconic. She's the first Salt Lake City housewife to join Everything Iconic for two times. So that will play after Potomac. But real quickly, we do have to hop into Potomac. So let, let's talk Potomac, you guys. Let me play a clip from the episode. Robin, where are y'all going? We need a place with a bathroom. No, we're really leaving. No, we really are. We don't have a bathroom, and there's men in this house. Like, we're not walking around this house using the bathroom downstairs, and we're all the way over there. No. I'm not mad at Wendy, but don't have a big trip if you can't accommodate everyone comfortably. And what if Juan came? We shared a room with Giselle? Call me spoiled. I don't care. I'm dipping. I really related to Robin in this moment. You guys, I don't like to stay in anybody's house anyway. I don't like, I like my own space. I need my own bathroom, my own bed, all of that kind of thing. I'm not interested in these group. Even when I go out on vacation with friends, it's like, give me my own room with the bathroom. I'm sorry. Call me spoiled if you want. But if I'm on a vacation, I get it. Now, here's the thing where I don't side with Robin is the fact that they didn't let, originally they told Wendy they weren't going to come. And then as Wendy said, I let everyone choose the room. So there was no, you guys were late. So you got the last room. Okay, argue with the wall. So I did, uh, I understood why Robin and Giselle were leaving this house. But also, I do think that it was their own fault. They should have said they were coming on this vacation. Then Giselle could have said, look, I got something boot on my foot. And I need a room with a bathroom. I can't be sitting in the attic without a bathroom. Uh, but I, even uh, from the get-go, I don't think that I would have wanted to stay at that house. I would have been, if I was on any of these housewives and they tried to put me in a house with other people, I'd say, I need my own hotel room. I'm sorry, that's who I am. Who I am at my core. But I was upset. I think Robin and Giselle, they just were being a little bit of a sourpuss this episode. That's my opinion. And uh, I, I do understand a lot of it on some level. And Robin even said to us, she's had her period. She's going through all sorts of stuff. So, look, I'm empathetic towards that. And so, good for her. She was going to the hotel room. However, it did feel like a little bit of like a dark cloud. And I, you know, Robin's going through some stuff. So, we get it. We're giving her grace. The most shocking thing, though, about Robin and Giselle to me over the past couple episodes, is the fact that Giselle was wearing that beaded sweatshirt. Okay, you guys, what was that? What was that? You guys, what was that? What the fuck was that? That beaded, you guys know what I'm talking about? It was like that black beaded sweatshirt. It just had, it was bedazzled. It was like she got a bedazzler out on some black sweatshirt and just started bedazzling it everywhere. It was the bead, I don't know if there were beads or diamonds, it was stuff ever, it must, maybe it was designer or something, forgive me. But she wore it to dinner too, and it was that, it was the most shocking thing I've ever seen on the show. And we've seen Giselle wear a lot of uh, bedazzled items in, throughout the years on The Real House of Potomac. She's bedazzled everything. Does she have her own bedazzler? Sometimes I feel like she orders a designer outfit and then bedazzles it herself. And it's like Versace, whatever you're wearing doesn't need to be bedazzled. You know, you don't need to take a hot glue gun to everything you buy. I mean, ladies, if you're out there, just be careful with the hot glue gun because you don't just need to put uh, fake diamonds or diamonds or studs or whatever on every outfit. And this was a sweatshirt. And I was like, what? I couldn't even understand the design pattern. I was like, what is that? How did that even? I don't get it. And I'm not a designer. You know, who am I? What do I know? I'm not Donatella Versace. I'm not House of Gucci. However, I could not believe that sweatshirt. Go back and look at just. She's worn so many questionable things. Obviously, we've talked about on this show, everyone's been critical of Giselle's fashions. And I actually believe that she does it on purpose to get us talking. But to me, this was one that I don't even think she wore on purpose to get us talking. This sweatshirt, to me, was just like, this was it. 
This was the real deal. Because in the past, when she wears these questionable outfits, I just think like, oh, she's just trying to have a moment and get us talking. And it's like a funny thing that she plays into, much like the Karen Giselle dynamic, which I think they play into themselves. But this, I think, was all real Giselle's fashion. And I could not, I couldn't, I wrote in my notes like three different times. Every time I saw it, I, I said, what the fuck is that sweatshirt? I, in my notes, I typed it out typed it out. So that was, to me, everything. The most shocking part of it all. Most shocking part of it all. We're getting a lot of bus work on these episodes. We see all the, the women and the husbands. There was one bus ride where, gee, Mia's husband, who... That man, you guys, I don't understand that man. I don't... I don't quite... I, I don't understand him. I don't get him. When they show him, he'll say stuff, and it's like... It very much reminds me of Mary Cosby on the other show, where it's like, I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. Can't predict it. Don't understand it. It's like, I, I'm not sure who this man is. And there was one point on the bus, he was talking about a stiff erection. And that was when Chris was about to whip his dick out. And they were all about to take out their dicks. And normally, I'm all for that. You know, I love a penis. Who doesn't? Ladies, am I right? <laughs> I was, I'm normally all for it. But this was a scene where I was like, nope, stop, stop. I was like, we need to cool it. These men need to cool it because we don't need to see all their junk. And you know, I love some junk. Okay, you guys get it. Always interested in seeing some junk. But in this particular moment, I don't know, everything hit me wrong. And Chris was like, I'm whipping it out. And I'm like, no! <laughs> I'm like, go easy on me, Chris. So go easy. <laughs> they were not going easy on us on that fucking bus. They were all about to whip out their junks. Uh, but we're always, doesn't it feel like we're always on this bus? I mean, they set up the cameras, good thing, because there was another scene later in the episode where they're riding on the bus. And did you see all the, the snacks on the bus later in the episode? It was like that whole thing was just loaded with snacks. And when Ashley was trying to sleep and then G was pointing out, Ashley, why are you sleeping? And she's like, I'm a new fucking mom. I just pumped a bunch of milk out of my tits. Let me take a nap. And I was like getting so mad at G. I was like, leave her alone. She's a new mother. She's got to deal with Demon Darby back at home and the two babies. And she can't even really relax on her vacation because she's got to film, she's got to uh, pump, she's got to do all this stuff. So I'm like yelling through the screen. I'm like, this man needs to be quiet. Let the girl sleep. I mean, she just wanted to take a fucking nap on the bus. Like, let it. But it's like all those snacks, I didn't even understand where they came from. And I know they got to have craft service and stuff. But it seemed like a lot of snack work on that bus. It was like they had everything, a whole vending machine on that bus. And it was some of the the cast members were sitting right in front of the snacks, and I would have never had the self control. Not one of them was taking a Ritz cracker or an Oreo off that that plate of that room of snacks on the bus or that table of snacks on the bus. No one was taking anything, and I was like, if I would have been in front of that, I would have eaten every one of those snacks. I wouldn't have been able to stop myself. So, oh, speaking of food, did you notice when they uh, when they did wake up the morning and they were all making the eggs and G was trying to make eggs. And then Chris came downstairs and we're like, we we need to make some eggs. But all I could think about was how they were wearing their pajamas. And I'd be so stressed about my pajamas if I was filming because I'm not sure what you guys wear to bed, but what I wear to bed is not pleasant. Like I wear the, I have this ripped up tank top that I wear at nighttime and it's literally, I've had it for 10 years, but it's like, you know how you have those clothes that no one can ever see you in? Like, I'm not willing to show anyone other than my significant other, my nighttime clothes. You know, your house shirts. I got a bunch of house shirts that are totally unacceptable to wear. And one in particular, there's just a big hole by the nip. And it's just one nipple is just out 
all the time. It sneaks out because there's a hole. And I'm not even sure how the hole got there. It's a tank top, an RVCA tank top. And there's just a big hole in the nip. So one one of my bubbies is just always out at night when I'm sleeping in it or when I'm laying in it. You know, I take it off before I sleep. But, you know, around the house in my pajamas, I'm wearing and I got one nip out. And that's the kind of clothes I wear around the house, my house shirts. And everything's two sizes too big because you know how I feel about that. I think it's very important to have some house shirts that are one, two sizes up than what you normally wear. You should be swimming in it, swimming in it. Uh, so all of my shirts, you know, I'm swimming in. It looks like moo's, but they're not. They're not even fitted like a moo. It's just fitted like just an oversized shirt with uh, my bubby out. So I was thinking these people all had these chic pajamas. And I wondered, like, is that that must be a conversation at home when they're getting ready for these trips? Like, oh, we're going to be filmed. We need to get nicer pajamas because uh, that must be a thing. Right. And that would stress me out to have to find good, nice pajamas. I, you know. I did buy some nice pajamas last, I think, one or two years ago. I got the Polo Ralph Lauren. But I always end up going back to the one with the uh, hole in the nip. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I just, and Matt tried to throw it away one day. I swear to God, we have a, a, this little trash can in the laundry area. And I it got in there one day, and it was sitting in there. It was sitting in the garbage. And I was like, Matt, did you put my my tank, my night tank, in the garbage? In the garbage. My old art teacher used to say garbage. In the garbage. In the garbage. Oh, I used to hate it. Drive me nuts. Fucking nuts. She just threw it in the garbage. I don't know where that accent was from that she always used garbage. Anyway, so I go in the laundry area and I see my fave uh, house shirt, my night shirt, in the garbage. And we got in the biggest fight. I mean, honestly, it was like grounds for divorce. I mean, I'm not someone who likes to throw the D word around. But if somebody throw your significant other throws your night shirt away... Uh, that's grounds for divorce, okay? We're not even married. And I was like, we're getting a divorce. I felt like Tamara Barney in the back of that limo on The Real Houses of Orange County when she just shouts at Simon. She's like, I need a divorce. And that's it's like, uh, yeah, my house shirt's in the in the laundry uh, trash. I, dig, I dug it out, though. Dug it out, threw it in the wash, and then uh, put it back on. Put it back on. Uh, so that must be a thing. What else? Uh, so, oh, the whole thing about Robin and Giselle going to the hotel, too. Robin says, what if Juan came? Then would he stay with Giselle? And it's like, you know Juan's not going to come. Like, we know <laughs> we know he's not coming. So what are you saying? Ray eventually did show up, and he said he was nice to, uh, to have some time to himself when Karen had left because he got to read a book. And I love that about Ray. I love the idea of Ray just sitting at home wanting to read a book. He's not interested in all the fame, glitz, and glamour of this Housewives show. He wants to read a fucking book at home. And God bless. Because I do too. You know, I just recently I've been trying to, I read a lot. I don't always talk about the books on the show, but I like to read a lot. And there was a couple month period where I felt like I never had time to get to my book at night. And I, every night I like to get to my book. You know, I like to sit down with something, read a little bit at night. It's what calms me down, like right before I fall asleep. And a couple months there, I was like, I just needed some time to get away just to catch up on my books because I was just a ton sitting on my shelf and needed to read them. So I like that Ray likes to read and I'd like to know what he's reading. You know, Ray, reach out to me. We'll start a book club. I don't know. I'd like to know Ray's reads. That's what it could be called. Ray's reads. Because uh, I need to know, what's he, is he reading Michael Crichton? Is he reading uh, Oprah's new book? Or, ooh, you guys, that Katie Couric memoir? Oh, my God. Have you been what, Have you been following some of the news that's come out about this memoir? It comes out in like a week or a week and a half, you guys. Oh, my God. I've been trying to get a hold of it. I'm like, I think I would like message Katie Couric online. I was like, send me the book. <laughs> I need this book. It sounds so juicy and messy and good. And there's been lots of messy stuff coming out about it. I'm like, I need to know what's in that thing. 
I need to know if I need to see it with my eyes. I can't wait to sit down with that. Cannot wait. I love a good memoir. So my fave, you guys I love a good memoir. Love a celebrity one. Ooh, love it. Uh, okay. What are we talking about here? So then, oh, I did write my notes. So the Giselle and Robin thing, and this might be, I don't even know if I should say, it cause you guys are going to yell at me. And I do love Giselle and Robin. I think they're great cast members. But there was something I noticed this episode that there seemed to be a divide. And maybe it's just because they were staying at a different hotel. But I was wondering, it almost felt like they're not even interested in so much anymore. Like they weren't interested in filming. And usually what happens with Housewives, and this happened with Caroline Manzo, who I loved on the show early on on The Real Estate New Jersey, there was no one better than Caroline Manzo. But towards the end of her run, she got clearly tired of doing the show. Same thing happened with Nene Leakes, one of the greatest reality stars of all time. But by the end of her tenure, you could almost see it in their eyes. And I started to notice a little tiny glimmer in their eyes. I shouldn't even say the word glimmer, a little tiny look in their eyes, Robin and Giselle this episode, where it seemed to me like they're starting to get over it. They're starting to be done with it. And so I don't know what that means. And maybe they'll pop back into place and and uh, it'll be different, but it felt a little bit like they're starting to check out. And there's only a couple more seasons after when people start to check out, right? Like they don't stay around. So I hope it works out um, and they get the spark back. But these past couple episodes, I don't know. I noticed it. I noticed it. And maybe it's just a, I get it. They were in the pandemic. Robin's going through all this emotional stuff too. So I understand and we're giving him grace. Uh, what else happened? They go on this boat. Mia was very messy again with the boat the boat stuff because she heard uh, Ascala and Robin talking at the bottom of the boat. And then she went back up and was like, Oh, they're talking shit about you, Wendy. And then when they came back up, it was just this whole thing. Uh, Eventually Mia and Candace make up. Now Candace cries because she said, look, I, what you said about my music video is very intense. I was upset about it and I want it to be the best. So she cried and Mia and Mia and Candace ended up making up. They had a nice moment. Mia explained everything about the mom and how she, Mia said something so profound. She said, talk badly about me. She said, say what you want about me, but don't say anything about my mother. And look, I would be the same way because if I was ever on any of these shows and I heard one person saving one thing negative about Linda Pellegrino, I would fucking lose it. I would lose it. Nobody talks about my queen icon legend, Linda Pellegrino. Don't say a word. In the words of Brittany Murphy in the movie, don't say a word. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. Did you guys see that document? There's a documentary on HBO. I haven't watched yet. Uh, about Britney Murphy, but it's on HBO Max. I'm going to watch it. Uh, okay. Oh, and the other big fight is just the Wendy Robin. They're not seemingly making up. I was also very focused on Escala. She had the glass. She looked very much like out of Casablanca or something, like Escala's look. Which, speaking of looks, did you see the looks for the reunion came out for the Potomac women? They all look beautiful. They did sort of like a pink theme. I just thought they all looked great. Like, I honestly thought every single one of the women looked amazing. And Ascala's even there. I'm not sure why she's at the reunion because she didn't really bring much to the season. Although I do end up really liking her for some reason. I just would like to know more about her. I think I'm intrigued by her. Especially when I was watching her on that boat and that look. I was like, I'm kind of intrigued by this woman. She seemed nice too. Uh, what else is going on? Next week we get the crab boil. Karen jumps out of a cake, maybe naked. And <laughs> they were trying to play it in the preview. Like, oh, she might be naked. I don't think she's naked. And then we also get Gordon versus Ashley. We get Ashley versus Mia. And we get Ashley strip-teasing Demon Darby, which I don't need to see that. I do not need to see that. She was just doing a strip-tease. I mean, Demon Darby. (sighs) 
And then we get Karen and Ray inviting people to their vow renewal. I think we only got a couple episodes left of Potomac. I think before the reunion, we maybe go, I bet next week we have, and then the following week, I believe, will be the finale. It'll be the vow renewal. That's my guess. Maybe we'll have one extra one, but I think based on when they film the reunion and all that kind of stuff, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, you guys, I'm going to play my chat with Meredith Marks. Before I do, I want to tell everyone I'm going to be on the Drew Barrymore show on the 19th, October 19th. I was on a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'll be on again, and we're talking about Scream, so I get to ask Drew about Scream. I filmed a couple of them uh, a few months back, and I was so sweaty. I think I might have told you guys this, but when we filmed it, it was over 100 degrees, and I was wearing pants. And it was outside, I was already nervous, and I was sweating so much. And so I'm very concerned, I'm very nervous you're going to see how sweaty I am. Because the first one that aired, uh, you couldn't really tell, but it was the first one we filmed. And now the second one, I'm like, uh-oh, I hope I'm not sweating too much. But tune in, mostly just to see how much I'm sweating. <laughs> but Drew was so nice. Drew and I did it with Ross Matthews, too, and they were both so sweet. Drew, of course, who always seems like the nicest person in L.A. or Hollywood, and she really was. She was so kind to me. And uh, please pre-order my book, How Do I Unremember This, on your Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your independent bookstore. Uh, you can go to IndieBound.com and order it there, too, if you want to purchase from an independent bookseller. It comes up March 8th. I'm planning some events. I'm trying to do some live stuff for the week of release, which I know it's a while away, but it'll be here before we know it. And as soon as I have that information, I'll let you guys know and post it on all the pages. But... Uh, you can find all of the links to everything in the episode description. And uh, without further ado, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back with Meredith Marks from The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This episode is sponsored by Los Angeles Tourism. Now, y'all know I'm from the Midwest, but I've lived in California for so long, and I truly do love it here in LA. There's so much to do. My parents were just in town and said the same thing because we always have something to do when they visit. There's so much good food and drink here. There's lots of pop-ups, rooftop bars, year-round alfresco dining. I love being able to eat outside here all the time, but they really have so many different food options uh, that you can get all the time. Tons of great shopping and fashion. Uh, they just opened up a new shopping center right across the street from where we live. And it's just fantastic to be able to walk there. I love that. I love having the sun. I love the attractions, the studios, the lifestyle. You get all the Hollywood pop culture stuff that I certainly love so much. Uh, and also, you just get the wonderful weather. It's really a fantastic place. So I want to encourage you all to head to discoverla.com. Again, need more ideas for your next visit? Just head to discoverla.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. 
dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the canopy-filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy-filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, my listeners can use code EVERYTHINGICONIC, all together one word, at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever since I saw Clueless, I wanted to have the most amazing wardrobe, and that includes all of the clothes inside the wardrobe closet, and that's why I'm excited to talk to you about Quince. Now, Quince has you covered with truly timeless pieces that never go out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all sorts of must-haves. I'm talking uh, Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $50. I have a blue cashmere crewneck sweater I got from them that I get so many compliments on all the time. I love it. Plus, iconic 100% leather jackets and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes us savings all over to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Love that. Makes you feel good about shopping with Quince. Uh, again, I've gotten a lot of stuff there. Just uh, good quality pieces and a lot of different options if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe. So indulge in the affordable luxury. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash iconic. Meredith, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I mean, what a season so far. How are you feeling as as we're going on? We're, we're about halfway or getting close to halfway, I think. Yeah, well, I think we might be a little less than halfway, but we'll see how it all unfolds. <laughs> oh, good. So how are you feeling as it's airing, though? Like, are you feeling good about this season? Where are you at? in your head right now? I feel good. You know, it was um, a tough start for me losing my father that literally the first day we started filming was um, Sorry. very intense. And it started me on a bit of an emotional roller coaster that, you know, plays out throughout the whole um, season. And so, you know, I had some moments that for me were probably a bit more emotional than I'm used to. And uh I don't know how that will come across. I guess we'll see. Uh, last week on the show, we saw the sit down between Jen and Brooks. Uh, and you were, of course, at the sit down as well, just at the bar. Uh, how do you feel uh, about how that all went? Do you feel like you got some closure on the Brooks uh, and Jen of it all? Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of it was just I wanted Brooks to feel at peace and to be able to feel like he could move forward with, you know, controlling his own narrative of his life. I mean, that's something that we all should be able to do. And, um, and I, I felt really good that Jen did take some accountability for the night that she was at my house and did, you know, apologize for her behavior that night because she was originally saying it didn't happen. And that was really, really hard on my family overall because we knew it did. And, you know, 
so it was, it was just like, we felt like we were just being called liars. And for her to own up to that was a really big deal for me. It really was because, you know, to me, it was like, okay, you know, we all make mistakes in life. We all do things that we're not proud of. We have bad moments, but I felt like I was getting the brunt of somebody else's bad moment. And, you know, she did take accountability for that, which was a relief to me. You know, let's talk a little bit about the social media thing. I know a lot of housewives have people help out with their social media or run their social media. What do you think is the protocol on that? Would, is it, I would think it's up to Jen to tell whoever is maybe helping out with social media to say, Hey, this is unacceptable or run this by me. What's your take on that process? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, we all want to be very present when everything is going on. And like, we want to be live tweeting when the show is airing. But of course, we have lives and there are conflicts and there are times um, where you you cannot possibly do everything you want to do. And so it is, in my view, fine to have someone help you there, you know. Uh, Sunday night, I was at the theater. I had I wrote my own tweets, but I had someone else post them for me in real time because I, it was either that or don't tweet. So, you know, but I had control over it. They were my tweets. I wrote them and I'm accountable for them. And so I think that to each his own, you know, but whatever you decide to delegate, you have to recognize that it is your responsibility because it is being put out there under your name. And I mean, it's not just you. It happened with Meredith or, or with Heather also had brought it up to Jen about some of the things that were going on on social media. So do you think she was just sort of turning a blind eye to it all? Or was it purposeful, like the liking and the and the, the retweeting and all of that kind of stuff? Do you feel like that was purposeful or do you think it was really an honest oversight with whoever was working with her? I mean, you know, Jen says that it was an oversight and... I'll take that at face value. Um, There are things that lead me to believe that may not be the case, but like, you know, why beat a dead horse? Let's move on with it. You know, she, she said she, she apologized for it. And at the end of it, that's all I can ask. We're human. We make mistakes. We do good things. We do bad things. Let's move on. You know, whether she did it, authorized it or not, at the end of the day, as long as she's responsible for it and saying that she takes responsibility for it, that's what matters. And how's Brooks doing with it all now? Is he over it? Does he feel good about it? Yeah. I mean, Brooks has, you know, moved forward. He's really busy. He's, you know, running his business. He's in school. He's finishing up at NYU. And he's, you know, coming to a very peaceful place in his own being in self and, and, you know, finding himself and his, his space in, in this world. And so he's moving forward. Now, uh, Meredith, you and Mary seem really close. I'm curious, how are you guys now? And how did that relationship come to be? Because it's been fun to watch you and Mary and Brooks uh, all together. When Brooks was first kind of upset and trying to navigate some of this stuff, he, um, and I both, we kind of spoke to Mary and she, she sort of reached out to help him a little bit too. And, um, you know, she was, Mary has a very like calming ability about her. I, she's able, and I guess it's part of her job at the end of the day, you know, she's able to find a way to kind of help you get to peace with certain things. Um, she's a person who is like very, very much living in the present more so than anyone I've ever met in my life where they kind of are just really in the moment. And 
you know, does her best to let go of the things that aren't serving her in the moment. And so that was kind of where things started was she was trying to guide Brooks a little bit to help him find some peace and, and me too. She's been really very supportive of us, you know, so it's been, it's been good. Now, last week on the show, we saw the sit down between Lisa and Angie. And I wonder what's your take on that? Because of course we did see Lisa bring you into the room at the casino party. Uh, but I'm curious what your take is on that, uh, that whatever happened there. So if, if I honestly believed that Lisa was capable of canceling the caterers to sabotage a charity event, I wouldn't be friends with Lisa. Mm. So I just wouldn't be friends with someone who I would think would do that. So my view is obviously I don't think she would do that. You know, I'm not in her house every day. I can't tell you what really happened or didn't happen. I have to believe from my experience with Lisa that it was just bad timing how these events unfolded. You know, I just think it was really bad timing and it backfired on her. And, you know, I think she wanted to do some stuff with these caterers and had reached out to them. And I, and I understand where Angie got the appearance that she did. I understand why Angie went down that path, but um, I wouldn't be friends with Lisa if that's something I thought she really would do. You know, to me, that whole thing was like classic housewives, you know, the whole thing, it, it was just classic. I, I love the kind of, bizarre feuds that stem from something like caterers to me it was just it was just classic housewives i love watching it uh tell me about jenny now jenny is new this season are you guys getting along how are you feeling about jenny uh joining the cast yeah i mean jenny you know came into a situation where as we all know there was a lot of um built up hostilities between all of us and um, and Jenny, you know, other than Lisa, really didn't know any of us very well. And so she kind of was walking into a difficult situation because, um, you know, you, you have to figure out where you're going to stand or remain completely neutral and kind of just completely stay out of everything, which obviously is not a real great thing for housewives. So um she had to try to navigate and figure it out. And, um, you know, as we saw, even at ice fishing, like, was it a little bit much for me when she was trying to navigate the situation without having been there the whole time? Yeah, I was like a little bit irritated. But at the end of it, I knew that her intent was positive. I knew she was trying to do something good. And she did the best she could. Okay, I got to dive into the Jen Shah legal drama. Now, we saw in the trailer, you're not actually at the beauty lab and laser when a lot of this goes down. Are you able to tell me why you weren't there? Um, no, because that's something you'll see unfold. But I um, <laughs> no, I can't tell you that. But okay. it's uh, it's probably not for everything that people think. There's probably some surprise to it. Um, so, yeah, you'll have to see. Okay, so everybody thinks that you or you and Brooks tipped off the feds. Can you at least, like, respond to that in any way? I mean, you know, like I told Andy, I watch what happens live. I've said it over and over. Don't mess with my family. <laughs> <laughs> 
I need to know what happened. No, I mean, you know what? Everybody knows. I've only known Jen for a few years. So, you know, I, I and we know this has been a long investigation. So do you believe that she's guilty? Um, what I believe is really not relevant. The In the United States of America, you are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Um, you know, court of friendship is not quite the same. Um, so I have to deal with Jen on the basis of how she treats me, treats my family, and the information I have of, you know, who she is as a person. I can't, I can't say that she is guilty because I am not a court in the United States of America. I'm just a person. What about the stew chains of it all? What's your take on him? Because I feel like we have only seen him a little bit. What do you make of that man? Um, Stu was always really nice to me. Like I, I honestly did not have one negative interaction with him. He was always very like over the top, nice, super nice and super helpful and really wanted to like accommodate and, and help out with things. So you know, I never saw anything other than that. And he he was really, I think, also a very positive force around Jen. I mean, we saw at um, ice fishing that he was the one who really was able to, like, calm her and get her to, you know, get it together, slow down, take a deep breath and move forward. And, you know, he, he definitely did have a positive calming influence on her. I'm so curious what all these assistants are for exactly. Like there seems to be a lot of them and every week I feel like there's a new one that pops up and I don't get what they're doing exactly. Yeah. I think we were all curious about that. And that was part of what um, raised a lot of questions for, you know, everybody about Jen was we didn't really understand, um, you know, her, her role in, in what business she was in and, you know, who all these people were around her and, you know, why it was all these assistants as opposed to like a director of marketing, a, you know, CFO, blah, 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 like you would have at most companies. It was just like a million and one assistants, which did come across as unusual. So now that you've gone through the season, you guys haven't filmed the reunion yet. Do you feel like you have some clarity on the business of Gen Shop? No, no, I don't, you know, no, I don't. Because, um, you know, the things that she said over and over that she did just never quite added up for me and they still don't. And, you know, it's not my problem. It's not my concern. Um, But no, I don't understand it. Will we see how coach Shaw plays into all of that as it unfolds? Because I think I'm also watching the real housewives of Beverly Hills. And a lot of that season has to do with what Erica knew versus what her husband knew. And so obviously coach Shaw is a husband of one of the cast members. And I don't know, are you able to tell me, will we see that side of things at all? Do you know, or, or is that something you maybe just don't know? Um, I'm not really sure. I think there's a a pretty big difference though, between those situations and that like, Coach Shaw is sitting in Erica's shoes right now. You know, he's the one who, you know, he has, there's been, he has not been indicted. He's not been arrested. He has, there have been absolutely no ties for him that have been shown 
uh, to Jen's case. And so there's no reason to believe at this point that he had anything to do with it. And he's not, you know, the one he's, he's the husband as opposed to she is the housewife. And so I think the public had a lot more questions for Erica than they will have for Coach Shaw. Right. Uh, Speaking of husband, how are you and Seth doing? We're doing great. We're doing really well. I mean, you know, marriage is never smooth sailing. Um, There's always going to be some, you know, waves and hopefully they're small waves, but um, we're, we're doing very well. We've had um, an immense amount of time together where, you know, he has been working kind of remotely, not all the time, but he's, he's around a lot. And so we are together a lot more than we have been for many, many, many years. And um, it's, proving to be working. So I, I'm feeling really good about our relationship, really positive about our relationship. Yes, we still have arguments. Yes, we still have disagreements. Yes, I did email our marriage therapist to get an appointment last week, you know, and he irritated me like, you know, we're normal, we're human, but it's it's positive and we're communicating and working through those issues rather than just sort of like shoving them in the corner and hoping they go away, which is what we were doing before. Uh, forgive me if this has been covered on the show, but what exactly does Seth do uh, for for his work? So Seth right now, he he's always been in an industry of dealing with distress, um, liquidations, closeouts of consumer products and companies. And he is currently working with a discount retailer um, to help turn their stores around. Oh, great. I know he spent part of the time in Ohio near where I grew up. So I've always had a soft spot for Seth in my heart. Uh, what else can you tell us about the season? Like, can, I'm so excited. Obviously, that first trailer we got and the beginning of that first episode of, of season two was just thrilling. And I am just on the edge of my seat waiting to get to all of these moments, particularly that beauty lab and laser day. You know, as Whitney Rose said, I got the fucking chills and I can't wait. So what do we have to look forward to? I mean, it is a really exciting season. It's very volatile and tumultuous, ups and downs. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we know about Jen's arrest, so that plays a part in everyone's um, dynamics with her and her relationship with her and for each of us to digest and navigate those circumstances and the situation. Um, You know, as you've seen a little preview to as well, there was uh, some conflict and drama surrounding Mary and her church and, um, you know, what's going on there or not going on there for that matter. And so those were two huge things that went went on that, you know, we've sort of had a little bit of a window into, but there's way, way, way more. Um, the dynamics between uh, all of the women, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, we are a strong, tough group of women who are very opinionated and not afraid to express our opinions. And it causes a lot of conflict and drama. We're all wired extraordinarily differently. We all handle, you know, conflict resolution very differently. And there's just emotions were very, very high by, you know, all those events that had unfolded and everyone was super sensitive and easily set off. So there's a lot of drama. 
One of the things that's going on on Real Hustles Beverly Hills that fans have been a bit critical of in regards to Erica's situation is that fans feel like the other housewives aren't asking enough questions. And of course, I know that they're two very different legal situations, so I don't want to equate the two. But I'm curious if you feel that uh, with the Jen Shaw stuff, the other women were comfortable asking questions about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, some of the time, yes. Um, you know, Jen spoke voluntarily. She, you know, did speak a lot on her own. So, you know, in my view, it's, first of all, look, she has a trial pending and to protect herself, there's only so much she should be saying in my view. So was I going to go in with questions that I know she shouldn't be answering? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, maybe some of my friends on the show don't quite recognize where you can and can't go as much and maybe asked a few more. Um, but, you know, she has a trial coming. I mean, there's only so much that you know she's going to be able to say. And she was relatively forthcoming with her opinions and point of view on the whole thing on her own. What's the number one thing from this season overall that you want cleared up at the reunion? Um, you know, that's a good question. I guess there are so many things because it was a really long winter season. Let me tell you, we went through so much stuff, but I guess what I would say is, and it's not even really just about me. It's about all of us is that we're all just human beings navigating through life, doing the best we can and uh, we all make mistakes and we all do great things and we all do things we regret. And, you know, you see snippets of it. And, and that's what makes it fun and entertaining is that there are holes in the story. You don't know everything that has happened. And, and you shouldn't because that takes away some mysterious intrigue and, you know, whatever else from the entertainment side of it. So, you know, I guess more than anything that we're just people. You know, we're just people, we're doing the best we can and, and we make mistakes. And, and I don't think, you know, I can speak for myself. I have no intention of, of trying to hurt other people and, or trying to be disrespectful, but, you know, I lose my temper. Um, I, I guess the one takeaway I would say is that I was extraordinarily emotional dealing with the loss of my father and, there are definitely some moments that I think my emotion got the best of me. What was going through your head when Mary farted in that scene? Excuse my language, <laughs> but what was happening in your head? Because I was very curious about that. I was thinking like you were sitting there and you and Brooks were like, what the, what is going on here? Like what was going through your head? I mean, it was actually pretty funny, but I was shocked. <laughs> I was just like, this did not just happen. <laughs> But I, I thought it was hysterical. I was like, oh, my gosh, she has just no inhibition, you know. And that's what I'm saying. She's just like someone in the moment, you know. Whatever's going on is going on. And if it's a fart, it's a fart. She's <laughs> one of the most unpredictable humans I've ever seen on TV. And that it makes it very exciting to watch her because I think you don't know what is what is she's going to say or do. Uh Yeah. Yeah, even this this past week when she was telling Whitney that story about someone being ejected from her car, it's just like you can't even imagine what's going to be said next. And that's thrilling in reality TV. 
I, I agree. And it's part of what I love about Mary. And it's part of what causes a lot of problems for her, too, is because, you know, um, I understand who she is. I'm not sure that all of the women really get her because she has a moment and something just, she just says it. And then, you know, it might not be the nicest thing, but she's gotten it off her chest and she's ready to move on. The problem is it, some of the things she says hurt the other ladies and they're now not ready to move on. And so she just is someone who very much lives in that moment. And, you know, I think knowing that when I have any conflicts with Mary, I address them back with her at that moment, calmly, and we move on and we're fine. But if you let it fester and come back to her later, she do, she doesn't really get that, you know, because she's she's living in that present moment then. Mm-hmm. And but that's what makes her so entertaining and funny is that like you just she's a wild card. You have no idea what she's going to say because it's like train of thought flows right out. <laughs> so so back to the Jen stuff. What is it that you switch? What makes the switch happen? Because we've seen in the in the trailer that. Obviously, the two of you are at odds again, but it seems like you just made up. Can you tell me what happened there? Yeah, I mean, if you were to kind of grade our relationship going into ice fishing, she and I were at a like negative 100. Like I thought that there was no way there was going to be resolution. I thought that there was no way I was ever going to want to be around her, even in the same room with her again. Um, and, And you know, coming out of ice fishing and then, you know, with her meeting with Brooks, we got to kind of a neutral space to a zero. And that in my view was like, okay, we're neither here nor there. Like we're peace. You know, I have nothing negative to say about you. You say nothing negative about me and let's just coexist. We can be nice, but we don't need to necessarily be friends because there was damage done. And for me to get back to a place of friendship, it takes time. And the damage was done over the course of a couple of years with her. Well, it's going to take some time to fix that and undo it. And, and as I've said over and over and over, you know, an apology is meaningless without a change in action. And so for me to move forward with an actual relationship with Jen beyond an acquaintance and, you know, running in the same circle and, Um, tolerating each other and being cordial to each other was going to take a lot of time to prove that she really was moving forward differently. And there were things that sort of came to light in my head as the season moves on that you'll see that um, made it hard for me to move forward. And is that then when you called up the feds (laughs) And had them get her at Beauty Lab and Laser in the 15-minute Botox parking. (laughs) Oh, yes. You know it. You know. The one thing I will say is I am not, like, a vindictive person. I, You know, I've never been one who's like, oh, I've got to seek revenge. You know, I feel like people suffer within their own being. And people who do bad things have to wake up every day, look in the mirror, and know who they are. And that's enough suffering for each of us. So I'm not a vengeful person. um, But... And I I don't really hold grudges, but I do establish barriers and I put people in the place they belong. Icons, 
Did you ever watch True Blood? I was obsessed. I thought the men on that show, Alexander Skarsgård, Ryan Quanton, I was in love with him when that show was airing. And I thought it was just so good. And so that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the new season of the Truest Blood podcast. The Truest Blood podcast is fantastic. If you haven't listened before, it's hosts Kristen Bauer and Deborah Ann Wall, who rewatch and tell true stories from the set of HBO's iconic series, True Blood. They discuss the episodes, the blood, both fake and real, and all the sexy bites in between. And this season of the podcast, they cover seasons three and four of True Blood, uh, where there's more werewolves, witches, and vampire royalty on the show. Plus, I have really great people who worked behind the scenes of the show coming on and talking about the show. Lots of that to come. I think we're all pop culture junkies here. And one of the things that I love about pop culture is seeing how the sausage is made. And so I think that's why we're all going to be so excited to listen to the Truest Blood podcast. So check it out. uh, And also check out the show True Blood. Watch all episodes of True Blood on Max and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Icons, I'm sure I've mentioned this many a time on the show, but I use DoorDash all the time, and I'm sure so many of you are right there with me. When you need a meal, you hop on DoorDash. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about DoorDash's Dash Pass. It's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save lots of money, lots of time with every one of your DoorDash orders. So it's really a big saver with $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on your eligible orders. Dash Pass makes it super easy to save on restaurants or retail items, groceries, all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. Because I don't just get my meals. I also get a lot of groceries. You can get, again, retail items, local stuff. Dash Pass, too, pays for itself in just two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. So get more from your delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code ICONIC24. That's ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, use code ICONIC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Um, I do have to let you go, but there's one final thing I just want to ask about. There is some critiques of Brooks, and I had said this on the show too, of of he is an adult, and I totally don't agree with any of the stuff that in terms of the the tweets that that Jenna had been liking and stuff. But what do you say to critiques of like he is on the show, so does it make him fair game to get uh, talked about by the other women? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. So there's a lot of elements that go into that. First of all, I would like to clarify when I call him a child, I will always say he's my child because right. he is my child. He may be an adult child, but he's my child and he will always be a child to me. Yeah. And I get that to the rest of the world, you know, when he started season one, he was 20 years old and that is not considered a child. Fine. He is my child. Yeah. My mom still calls me her baby. I mean, I'm the youngest. I'll always be the baby. I get that. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, at the end of all of it, 20, 22 years old, is still relatively young. It's certainly not a child, but it's young. Um, do I think that means he's off limits? Uh, you know, I have mixed feelings on it. I came into this being told like, oh, children are always off limits, da, 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 da. Not like only, you know, minor children are off limits. You know, if you're over 18, you're suddenly Mm. not off limits. That was not like kind of what I was told, but like 
it's not like there are rules. This is just the history of it, I guess, you know, whatever. Um, but it's that I didn't necessarily like, I would not go after somebody else's child. I think it's wrong, but more than any of it to be trying to take away his own exploration of his sexuality and try to tell the world who he is without him having a chance to either make that choice or want to talk about it. I don't care if you are five, 25 or 85, that is wrong, period. Well, I love seeing your mama bear come out because I, I just think it was, it was great to see. And I, I loved seeing you, you stick up for him in that way. So, uh, Meredith, thank you so much for taking the time. This was such a delight. Uh, you, uh, I can't wait to see the rest of the season. So thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media and all that good stuff? Okay. So I am on, uh, Twitter at Meredith Marks zero, um, Instagram at Meredith Marks. TikTok at Meredith Marks, and of course, my website, MeredithMarks.com. And thank you so much for having me. I always love talking with you. Oh, it was my pleasure, Meredith. Thank you so much. 